1: Hello and welcome to episode 305 of the Win 6 podcast. I'm your host, Adam McGee, and join me as usual, it's my good friend, Jordan Tresky. Hello there, Jordan. Hello. How are you doing?
0: Good. How about yourself?
1: I'm good. We're in the midst of our mid-season break that is very far from mid-season, increasingly. But the all-star break, um, we've got two days left, right? Mm Mm-hmm um so that's fun it's different it's it's unusual we're not used to kind of this downtime without games um the Bucks have been pacing the whole nba all season really kind of setting their stall out for what we all hope will be the fairy tale ending to this campaign but we've got a chance to just turn our attention a little bit elsewhere put our feet up and enjoy all of the strangeness that is often, you know, comes hand-in-hand hand with All-Star Weekend. And that is basically exclusively what we're here to talk about in this episode. It will mostly be book-centric, of course, and um, but we're going to work our way through All-Star Saturday, um, All-Star Sunday and the game itself, but not just the game itself, because I think Jordan has some thoughts. And then we'll answer a lot of your All-Star-related questions in the mailbag. So that is what we have in store here. Um, I couldn't get to see the celebrity game on Friday, Jordan. It wasn't available to me here, and I feel like you didn't see it either. So this is going to be a. I saw it
0: for three minutes, maybe.
1: Oh, you couldn't. You just made sure you saw something. Was that? I saw it? Like something.
0: I saw. I saw.
1: <laughs> you can't quit the celebrity game. Is what no. you're saying? No, I cannot. Your one true Valentine, the all star <laughs> celebrity game. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, do we know? I even tried to find this. I know uh, Mark Osweigh scored a layup. He had at least two points. Yes. Do you know? Did he get any more than that? Did he have any assists, any rebounds? Um, I know he again, got a rebound. <laughs> okay. It's a travesty that these box scores are not like. I don't know why you. When you go to ESPN on the Friday, they don't have, you know, click here for the celebrity game like they would for any other NBA game. It's really yeah. tragic. Yeah. The box scores exist. Like, there they are scorekeepers at I've the game.
0: Had, I've had or seen them.
1: And there have in the past. I think yeah. there was one occasion where I managed to track down a box score, but no such luck this year. So. Really, to open with, this is just an apology for those of you who maybe tune in just once a year to hear Jordan talk about the celebrity all star game. Try again next year, maybe you know, come back then. Maybe Jordan will be talking about the celebrity game. It seems like he's destined to do it forever, but there's not a whole lot this year. in your In your three minutes, what was your biggest takeaway?
0: <sighs> um. <laughs> That that silence might be my takeaway. Uh yeah, it was I they were they were sitting on couches. That was new. The teams. The, instead of like seat like a normal What? There wasn't yeah. a bench? They were sitting on these couches. It was it was like two players to a couch.
1: Is that good for posture and like keeping loose? I wouldn't think so. I don't think so. I don't think a bench necessarily is either, but at least you're not gonna like Slouch back and really kind of—that's very strange.
0: Common won MVP.
1: Did he? I didn't even notice. Yeah, it was
0: the weekend of Common.
1: Huh. Good for him. Yeah. That's it. That's really all we're going to get out of this (laughs) celebrity game, isn't it? (laughs) Pretty much. (laughs) All right, let's move on to All Star Saturday. Um, An eventful, a busy night for the books. Two participants. Not something that happens all that often. Um And I guess we'll work our way through the night in its entirety, maybe even including the three-point contest. I'm not sure there's a lot to say about it, particularly as books are involved. But um, let's start at the beginning, and let's go to the Skills Challenge, where Chris Middleton was competing. At this point, and with the way All-Star Saturday in particular has kind of shaped up over the last few years, what are your just general feelings on the Skills Challenge? I don't... Um... Don't think too deeply now.
0: Well, I will, because I think this is... There's something...
1: Actually, you know what? Before you even answer that, I I think it's... You take All-Star Weekend much more seriously than I expect, considering the amount of things that you're frequently kind of just like, oh, who cares? But you, you do kind of have a genuine interest in All-Star Weekend, right? Oh, yeah. I mean... Do you know why that is? Can you put your finger on what it is? Is it just it's kind of a landmark, it's a historic thing at this point and it's just kind of part of the routine of a season? Or what is it that makes you care about this in a way that like, you really don't care about 99% of other NBA related things? Yes, yes. I take, I make things that are
0: normally um, supposed to be fun and relaxing more seriously the, the games themselves anyway um <laughs> i think it's because all-star weekend is there's no of the major sports the only sport that can really kind of get to this is hockey in my opinion
1: where uh, like, hockey all-star all weekend's good it is really good
0: but, like, football doesn't really have – they tried to, like, resuscitate it where they, like, have, like, these quarterback challenges, which – and, like, when I was a kid, that was, like, really cool to see, like, Brett Favre, like, young in their prime QBs, like, do this. But now, like, it kind of borders on, like, well, like, I don't know. It's I, – I don't have the same attachment to it anymore. But with, like, All-Star Weekend, you know, I vividly remember where, like, where I was watching Vince Carter it was like the first like exposure to All-Star Weekend. So ever since then, maybe it's like, that's like the kernel that's baked into my brain that just like, Oh, this is really important. This is great. It's a good way to like, I don't know, have fun with uh, the sport and all that stuff. So I don't know what it is, but it's just, it's just something that it, there isn't really anything like it elsewhere across the four major sports in um, north america i would say Um, is is
1: the home run derby just its own thing or are there other kind of related events
0: it's pretty much its own thing like they have like they have their own like celebrity game with softball with obviously celebrities (laughs) but that i don't think that that's not like like how nba all-star weekend kind of like pumps it up that's usually like I don't think that's even televised. I might be wrong about that, but that's there's also something. I I don't know. Maybe it's there's obviously the home run derby, but it's also like I don't know. I mean, especially with those Astros. I mean, they're gonna hit that that trash can every time that home run ball comes in. <laughs> I mean, come on, topical, topical.
1: Even I got that baseball <laughs> Thank joke. Thank you. <laughs> um, okay, so now to return the focus to the skills challenge, your general thoughts on the skills challenge. There's, it's a
0: good like, if you're break. Oh my god, this is gonna be so embarrassingly stupid. But <laughs> it's, it's like, if you think about All Star Weekend, as like a three course meal. Your okay. skills challenge is the appetizer. I mean, why? I, of course, it's sponsored by Taco Bell, the perfect appetizer to everything. Um, <laughs> but uh, I not just sponsor, not a sponsor, not a sponsor. Live mass people. Um, I don't. It's a good. It's a good. What's your
1: What's your favorite course in a meal?
0: Mm. Dinner, dinner.
1: Really, the main course. Yeah. Ah, uh, mine is one hundred percent the appetizer. Mm. I was just trying to see if you know. So in this, what? Okay, I shouldn't have interrupted you because. I feel like this could go in some really interesting places. So just continue your analogy there, Jordan, and we'll see where your brain takes you
0: Well, it's like one of those things where you just kind of watch it unfold. And I don't know, like, obviously Chris was in it and we'll dive into what he did, but it's really hard for, that's like the one that, that's I'm really hard to not have any feelings towards <laughs> because it's like, it's like, Oh, like, yeah, they're, it's just—I don't know—that one just feels like the
1: most monotonous of all of them.
0: And I, it's—it's
1: talked... it's the least monotonous. It might be the least consequential, but it's yes. certainly not monotonous. It's—I don't—it's completely frantic. It's—it's it's consistently entertaining. Where some of the others are not. Like I mean, the other two have had some duds in recent years. The skills challenge for like really since they brought Bigs into it is just completely frantic. It's a lot of fun. I think if anything, the biggest thing working against it is just how quickly it's over. Like, it's just, it's too frantic. They need to figure out a way to do it. um, But monotonous, it's far from that.
0: I don't know. I think, honestly, that... <laughs> Whatever they introduce, like, if you don't complete the pass in three tries, you could still do it. That, like, turned me off on skills challenge. Because that's... You gotta complete the pass. I'm sorry. It's... It, this
1: is this is a matter of principle and fundamentals. Exactly,
0: and you know too. Along, I mean, this is maybe I'm trying to remember the last time they had it. It might be like five years ago, four years ago. It what This wasn't the opener to All Star Weekend. You're the talking shooting about shooting stars.
1: stars. Shooting stars was terrible. <sighs> what was there to like about shooting stars?
0: They have court shot.
1: But the rest of the event is terrible. Uh, I just like, remember... Do you remember when it was called? Swim, U-ball? Cash, and Chris Bosch and Dominique Wilkins would team up. I'm like, what? And they're doing just like... <laughs> just if you're going to get people like that together, make them do something that's worthwhile to watch. I, 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 shooting Stars is not missed at all. I, I know <sighs> there are some people who feel very passionate about Shooting Stars. Maybe you're one of them. But it's was really pointless.
0: Mm. Do you remember when it was called Ball? This might be before...
1: It's definitely before my time, I
0: think. I think it was called Two Ball. Anyway, anyway, back to skills challenge. Um, It's a good palate cleanser. Palate cleanser? Palate opener? Palate cleanser means like... Palate
1: cleanser, yeah? Yeah.
0: It's a good palate cleanser. But there's just You're something... You're calling it sorbet. Sorbet, yes. Perfect, perfect. We're keeping with this analogy. Um, You know, it's like a potato skin. Or, you know... A... uh
1: those wings <laughs> I had a feeling this episode was going to be weird um so far <laughs> kudos to you Jordan you're delivering um
0: but yeah Chris was in it we we could go,
1: go. Wow they they were they were Jordan's thoughts on the skills challenge if anyone can actually make sense of them answers on a postcard please let us know um <laughs> Let's get to the actual event to save us from any more of that. You are right, Jordan. Chris was in it. Um, first he, first of all, he was classified as a big, which he increasingly is in his career, you know. Um, that worked well for him, as it generally seems to, for anyone who's classified as a big, for whatever reason, um, until he met a bigger big, you know, and as someone who appreciates the big man, you know.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: This speaks to me. Maybe this is why I like the skills challenge. Because since they've invited centers mostly. They just. They prove that they are the ultimate basketball players. They are the pinnacle. Um, Shea Gilders-Alexander. He's got nothing for Chris. Very impressed with Middleton's start. First round I thought. We're on to a good one here. Uh, Particularly with the way. The draw was breaking too. It was like no one else can actually shoot. So, bonus a little bit, which was possibly unfortunately. But no one else would you be like, oh, they can shoot. Am I forgetting someone? Certainly, Bam. I mean, ironically, you wouldn't have expected him to make shots at the rate that he did. Who else was in the other semi final? Siakam? Yeah, a little bit. Maybe he can make a shot from time to time. Anyway, I first round, I thought, Chris has really got a good chance here. Second round, I was thinking the same until he lost the handle. And that really didn't bring an end to his hopes as much as it just seemed to make him rush. It kind of created a sense of panic that even when he caught up, was clearly in his shots, where he didn't really even try to take one normal shot. They were all just kind of heaves, and particularly the last one. On the very low bar that is, you know, Book's previous All Star Saturday performances. Do you consider this a mild success?
0: Oh, absolutely.
1: <laughs> I mean I had a feeling, which is not I, great, is it? It's Losing the handle in the skills challenge is still better. But no we I mean we're going to out to I do. know
0: he subsequently denied that he would ever try going for the slam dunk contest, but A, he Did broke he? out of- someone asked? I believe it was Eric name Because people were saying, oh, he's already done two. Why don't you complete the third? Um, he broke it out during the All-Star game. And secondly, we're going up. We're going up from here. We're <laughs> Let's keep this ride going. Who's to say he couldn't win it all in the dunk contest? He,
1: Me. I'll say he won't win it all in the dunk well, contest. Well,
0: I mean, a Dwayne Wade's, you know, judging... Let's let's see if it happens. Actually, um, they, they did
1: work out together and they're friendly, and that could go a long way. But we keep that kind of uh, we'll keep that will dry for a little bit longer. We will get to Dwayne Wade. Um, I mean, I would be entertained by the idea of Chris Middleton in the dunk contest more than I would be entertained by Chris Middleton in the dunk contest. But yeah, I it did occur to me that he was missing just you know one for the set and. How he was never, ever, ever going to have a chance to get that, nor should he. But hmm. a little disappointed because this one was there for the taking. And really, I just want any kind of trophy. Just this is this is why I say uh give us mid season tournaments, give us a G League title. Like if the books aren't gonna win a championship this year, I just I want a trophy. Summer league. I mean Sure. <laughs> Skills Challenge would mean more to me than the summer league title.
0: I don't think I don't think you're alone on that.
1: <laughs> I don't think you'd agree with that, but
0: I wouldn't. I mean
1: <laughs> I'd rather particularly to watch That's a very the very interesting minutes poll of the skills challenge. Me. You think we should put it to the people? What would they prefer? Maybe. Like We'll put it to the people. I'll put a poll out when we post this. But Middleton did himself just as compared to previous three-point shooting contests. But yeah, not the best of moments to finish on. Um, any other thoughts on the skills challenge? I don't think so. But Bam as the winner was the fix in Jordan. Was there some sort of Miami oh. Heat conspiracy going on? I don't think so. The but Jimmy Butler clearly missed a memo on. on <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean, good Lord. Again, he, <laughs> no, right. we already went we'll get over there.
1: We'll get there. Yeah. Um, okay. Have you any thoughts on the three point shootout? Because it was entertaining. It was good. I mean, it went down to the very last shot.
0: I like the introduction, du- introduction, introduction, uh, I'm <laughs> getting my Scottish on good. Uh I like the uh, Mountain Dew 3 ball that Reggie Miller that. incessantly called. <laughs> I was like, oh, we got to get our sponsors in. Here comes the Mountain Dew 3.0 ball. Um, I like that. That was a nice touch, obviously. And it reflects where we're going, you know, the NBA. Um, you can't get wrong with a three-point shootout. It's it's. It doesn't have the flash of the – that's not true. It doesn't have like the highs of what a dunk contest could be, like especially like the one that we saw this year. But like a a four year college prospect, it's floor as high.
1: Sure. Okay, I hadn't thought of comparing it to a four year college prospect. <laughs> um are we are we juicing the numbers and it's a little bit too much? You know, with the full money ball racks, and now we've got a three point shot. I was how actually going to say that because you can't until we've got a full three point rack. Because even the scores were impressive, but they're actually not as impressive no. as some of the scores historically. And I mean, look, most people aren't going to care about this, but it is nice. I mean, it's to be rough. able to have kind of a true line, true history of you know how different players performed in it. I f- I feel like even that was lost on the commentators. I guess is not entirely shocking, but. There just wasn't that sense of, oh, yeah, these scores aren't completely insane. Like, I mean, we have seen better scores in recent years without the three-point shots. Yeah. I believe. I think the year Clay Thompson won, certainly. Um, But, yeah, I did, I did, the shot is cool. The, the three-point shot is a cool addition. And just kind of varying and somewhat, I guess, breaking up the, the rhythm that would be there otherwise. So the players have to Joel adjust and they really have to kind of rock in. Yeah, Johar didn't have a didn't have a very good uh, defense of his title. No, but okay, good three point shootout. Buddy healed, um, making a point to the Kings. This is very Kings to have a player win the three point shootout that they're you know currently doing a great job of antagonizing. I don't know if you saw just before they cut away, like Vivek Ranadive, the Kings owner, rushed to court and like go over to hug Buddy Hield. And then for some reason they decided to like go to commercial. I was like, no, this is what I want to see. Yeah, that's the I drama. Want, that this is that's what the drama I want that to TNT
0: see. knows, and they shy away from it
1: because you know Vivek, he's just having the kind of conversation we had. He's like, we've won a trophy. <laughs> let's plan, let's plan a parade. It's true. Um, and they won us a league title. Go home and keep the trophy for himself. But they see, he doesn't even care about that. He's more excited about winning a real trophy. Mm. The dunk contest. Oh boy. Um we will we just start with Dwight Howard?
0: <laughs> well that's I was gonna make the joke before that like we joked that Chris I mean he wouldn't do anything. I he couldn't
1: I, he, so, Dwight Howard all he did. Dwight Howard be big. was a
0: footnote to that whole dunk contest and what
1: well, he got didn't out? he get a fifty? He did. Or he got a, like a forty eight at least. Which was one of the ones where Dwayne Wade decided to give a ten because because it was a tribute to Kobe. You're like, This is not how it works, you know? Maybe honor Kobe with the good dunks and with, you know I I'm not getting into Dwight and Kobe and even the weirdness of just like him being out there and uh, it was it was strange. I mean his his first dunk was like Really? Is this what we're doing? Is this what this dunk contest is going to be like? Where you just you know, you're a large man who can still jump somewhat, so you just grab the ball, take off, and throw it down hard. Like this is not, this is not interesting. This is not exciting. Um, I guess we just got to get to Pat and we've got to get to the baseball teamed dunk and get your thoughts on this. So Kristen Yelich was there mm-hmm. as Pat has like told us not even hinted at he had made it incredibly clear I, i did think we were going to get two separate dunks one involving him and another being the white man can jump dunk and it turned out they were all part of the one which was actually probably a wise move so you're not just well i say that look how far it got him but how disappointed were you that this was like A dunk that made sense, like abided to the laws of gravity, and wasn't the kind of nonsense you were rambling about last week.
0: I was deeply disappointed. I
1: I thought there was going to be
0: social commentary about the Astros. Rob Manfred uh, hitting a basketball with a bat. (laughs) Um... But I believe that Doug, he was the first one to make it on the first try. Right? Yeah. Because Dwight didn't make
1: it. Which like how? <laughs> how? He wasn't yeah. even trying anything that difficult. Um Derek Jones Jr. clipped Spam Out of Bio. I think subsequently Aaron Gordon got his on the first attempt, if I remember correctly.
0: Yeah, I think that's right.
1: I think but right. the fact that Pack got his on the first attempt after two that didn't and then got scored a forty five <sighs> I don't know. Did you did you see the clip or you may have seen the full segment when he was on the jump earlier in the week and Scotty Pippen like No, I didn't
0: even know he was on.
1: Well he was on and Pippen like there was basically right Nichols it was like, what does you're a judge, what does he need to do? And Pippin said the most important thing is I don't want all of these props, I don't want all of this kind of showy dunks only for you to then go and not not make the dunk on the first attempt. Oh. And so Pat obviously took that on board. Executed on the first attempt. Pippin gave him a nine. Yeah. Which I guess rings true to what he said. I mean nine is a fine score.
0: Yeah, but he also gave him a ten on the dunk, the, er his dunk over Giannis. And I, he I got that I, in the that's, third.
1: Try. That's okay. I, that's degree of difficulty has to factor into that. But I don't get this is
0: what we're talking about
1: Well, the scoring man. is nonsense. <laughs> it like is true. if we if we just want to cut to the chase, it is nonsense. It makes no sense. They give tens at the start, and they have nowhere to go when players naturally start to do more difficult dunks. It's just like. Are they all idiots? Are they really just
0: <laughs> stupid, Jordan? This is what groupthink happens. I mean, they were literally all. That's the downfall of this dunk contest. It was groupthink. Independent thought wins in the dunk contest. And in is
1: that why Kyrie Irving is now the vice president of the Players Association?
0: I think so, but <laughs> that probably doesn't help my argument.
1: <laughs> um. Yeah, it's. It, look, it's it's what we're going to end up talking about with this is the scoring. But you're just kind of nothing makes sense. Like there is no baseline. There's no way of understanding and being like that dunk is an eight and that is a ten. I mean the only thing worse than the scoring is the commentary in the dunk contest. I cannot overstate just how much I hate it. Kenny Smith just shouting, Oh, that's that's a that's a ten, that's a ten, that's a fifty, or that's an eight, that's an eight. Like he was doing with Pat where He's like No, that's an eight, that's just an It's like why? Well compare that to the one you just and he's talking to a judge in Dwayne Wade. Why is a judge? This is not a very impartial Jordan. He's being influenced, and then after Kenny Smith going, no no that's an eight. What does Dwayne Wade do? He shows up an eight. Only only Chadwick Boseman got it. He gave it a ten. Which I mean, Chadwick Boseman call your agent. <laughs> I mean you don't need to be a judge to dunk contest. The Black Punter dunk with Victor Oladipo, that's smart. That's, that's a good move. Being a judge, not sure that's great. Even... what well, Common was... Common gave a 10 for Dwight, right? Or for Derek Jones Jr. before Pat. And he was called out by Kenny Smith for You know... Oh, you can't play the game. You're just dunking because you think that's impressive. And then the next one was Pat and he very obviously corrected. It's just like, what is this? Group like think, we're gonna have group. It's not think, even it's they're jet they're think, influencing it's jet I, we need to get a different jet involved in this thing. That's exactly. all I'm to say. But yeah, it the was the only very jet I
0: respect is Jason
1: <laughs> Terry. The only jet. Not you know. Airplanes, fighter jets, anything like that, or
0: Vinny Testaverdi.
1: I mean, come on. I no idea. <laughs> um, but so just for the merits of the dunks themselves, Pat's first dunk. What did you think? Were you impressed?
0: I was. I mean, I am. Again, dunk contest. I I, I hold these things true to my life. <laughs> um. It's important to get that first try. Because there's, I mean, there have been horrible dunk contests where just... Giannis. Yeah. But that's not even the worst one. There, I mean, there has been terrible, terrible ones. Um, But you got to get that first try. He got it. It was a good dunk. Got it. Christian Yelich, I believe, 6'3", 6'2". tray Long, lanky man. Uh, I, thought he was, I thought it was going to be an MVP dunk, but I guess he did it separately.
1: Um, mm-hmm.
0: But, yeah. Do you
1: think Aaron Rodgers was backstage if he got through to the final and he just never got to come out? I don't know. He wasn't really. Pat did say he did think about trying to get Aaron Rodgers involved, but decided against it.
0: Mm.
1: Which, I mean, that's an owner. He's got He's got to come and support the team. That's true. I mean... The one thing that I thought the dunk could have had, and I'm saying this like as just very much hypothetically because maybe it wasn't possible logistically, but the books put up the great video at the practice facility the night before the dunk contest where Marcus Johnson is involved too. I think they should have found a way to have Marcus Johnson involved in the dunk. Now, I do not know that Marcus Johnson was remotely interested in being in Chicago or having his own dunk contest
0: from what I've seen.
1: Oh yeah. Is there a joke there or seriously?
0: No, he dunk he dunked for his sixty-fourth birthday.
1: Was his birthday at the weekend? I
0: thought it was in, I thought it was a more long ago, but he continued his tradition. He jumped over two tacos.
1: It was a while ago, and I remember people asking, Did he not dunk? I remember that being a thing. You're right. Um but you know what I'm saying? I mean, not everyone is going to instantly recognize him, but if Pat's coming out like that, if you could get Marcus involved too, and then maybe you work a two-MVP dunk. I don't know. I mean, I, I think both dunks were good, but that one maybe... Maybe he wasn't playing into the white man can't jump element of it enough, although he really did commit to it. I thought it was a good, solid dunk. Yes. And key to it is, I mean... Sure, this is a jumping over people. I know there's a lot of people who are tired of just the dunk contest being let's jump over this person. There are varying degrees to where that's impressive. Um, Pat, who's five jumping over someone who's 6'3", okay, that's moderately impressive. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he jumps over someone who's 6'11", later. That's much more impressive. But the fact that that doesn't get weighed into things when you've got, like, um, Aaron Gordon repeatedly jumping over Chance the Rapper, who's 5'11", and Aaron Gordon is what, 6'10"? Like, where's the scale on this? They're like small guy jumping over relatively taller men versus you know, tall guy jumping over just average height men? It's very strange. And he did that over and over again. He clearly had no idea. It's very very unusual. I mean, he has done the Don't Cut It so many times that I guess that makes sense. I mean, that's how he ended up with the dunk that should have been the winner was he had no ideas and he got bullied into doing a Taco Fall dunk and Taco Fall was peer pressured into actually agreeing to, you know, let someone try to jump over him. But it happened because he had no ideas. But even you get like Derek Jones Jr., who is like an inch, inch and a half taller than Pat. And when it comes to jumping over people, the best he could do was Bam Adebayo who was 69 I think maybe scratching 610 not as tall as Giannis so with all of this it's just kind of like like if this is something maybe the dunk would be better if we could just gradually move away from a lot of those elements unless everyone's going to dunk over Taco Fall every year then that like people worth sticking with but you know it's like maybe judges should be aware of okay Let's give a bit more credit to the fact that the 6'5 guy is able to jump over this taller person as opposed to just, like, people jumping over Chance the her. I just, I find it weird. It's another element that's just strange. It's like, what goes into this? I know this is fun, but people do care about it, and it's a really storied thing. I mean, if you're a dunk contest winner, that's going to be talked about forever. Um, I would guess you could probably make quite a bit of money out of endorsements as well from just being a dunk contest winner. I you've got a really memorable dunk.
0: Well, I mean, Derek, Junior, Derek Jones Jr. just won, or won, just got a
1: Puma deal. Did he really?
0: Yeah, he got it yesterday.
1: Well, there you go. Yeah. Like, I don't know. The system is broken is really what I'm getting at with this. Um, Pat's second dunk.
0: Plus do one, one other thoughts about his well, first dunk. You don't want to show your cards entirely in your first dunk yeah you know I mean there there yeah there's a plan to this to
1: but that can... used to be the way it is, but if everyone just gives fifties for not fifty dunks from the start, well, then you have to show your cards because true, like he scored ninety five and he didn't make it through to the next round. There was a time when that would have been unheard of in the dunk contest,
0: yeah, that's true.
1: the second dunk he hadn't practiced with Yanis. Which is both surprising and I guess not all that surprising considering Yanos had a child last week. You know, his, <laughs> his his son was born. So I guess he was not exactly, you know, just up for any kind of, oh, yeah, sure. Let's go down and practice for the dunk contest. Um, But Pat, speaking after the fact, said the kind of the two misfires before they actually pulled it off came down to him being unable to get the ball out of Giannis's hands because he underestimated just how big Giannis' hands were. Mm-hmm. And um, I thought that was interesting. But when they finally got the adjustment right, I mean, he nailed this dunk. And to me, this is one of the most memorable dunks of the night. If not the most memorable, because it's just different. And I... Like it's one thing to jumping over people. There is another element which is, oh I'm gonna try and dunk for the free throw line. Um, oh I'm gonna use the side of the backboard. Like there are now set dunks, even the most impressive ones that it's like I feel like we see over and over again. You may be more of a dunk contest scholar than me, so correct me if I'm wrong. But have you seen the dunk that Pat pulled off for his second dunk before? I
0: mean there's been
1: I, there's been like I touching the backboard and yes. obviously there's like the cupcake and there's props and there's you know other elements that come Slapping close to that like same idea on it, right but i've never seen someone tap the ball no and then dunk it
0: i i don't think that i don't think i've ever
1: seen that and that just seems absurdly difficult particularly when you're not like a 611 guy so you really have to hang up there for quite some time um did you notice it in real time no
0: no that, that was the thing i was like i saw the finish I was like oh that looked kind of rushed and then he kept pointing to the spot Mm -hmm. that he hit it off the backboard. I was like, what? So that's the thing.
1: That makes it all the more impressive to me.
0: It does. I don't know. Like, it's one of those things where, I mean, having a dunk like that, that wouldn't have been possible, maybe, or not possible, but like, I don't think it would have the same effect without the replay element. Obviously, they replay all the dunks, so like.
1: Oh, we would have got eights across the board without replay.
0: Well, especially that, like, especially the camera of it, like, the focus is right over the hoop from the top of the backboard. You know what I mean? So you see him hit the backboard. This is serious analysis. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I don't think that... I, I, obviously, that played to his favor because it got him a 50. But yeah, it, that got one him a 50. Where, I don't know. I will say I don't know if it if it was anybody else that if it was a non Bucks player, I'd be like, oh, that's kind of like I don't know. I would be like, yeah. but this is like, think what so? I, mean.
1: <laughs> I I no, I genuinely think that that dunk was pretty special and just fun because it was different. I want novel dunks at the dunk contest. Like if anyone else had done that, I'd be just like, oh, cool. That's something someone has given some thought. I mean, this is the thing we're for Bopats dunks and. He Didn't he say he was going to put his post-video uh, of what his final dunk would have been? Which, if he has done, I haven't seen it yet. Um, But clearly he had just actually given some thought and tried to be creative, whether that was with his props and whatever he was doing, or with the actual dunk itself. And that, to me, is like, oh, good, this is what makes it fun and interesting. Because there is an element of, you know, we know that NBA players are ridiculously athletic now. You know? Guys dunking from the free throw line doesn't do anything for me anymore. It's like, sure, they can do that. This is These are incredibly large men, some of the greatest athletes in the world, and we're in 2020. This isn't like the 1960s where they've all been at the back having a smoke before they go on. Like yeah. we, we know they can do this. Oh, that would be impressive. so. <laughs> yeah, but what I want to see is just... I want to see someone think about how they can kind of channel that athleticism into a way that's interesting and pat did that by okay i'm not just going to clear Yanis, impressive in its own right but i'm going to hang up there um i'm going to have the ability the flexibility the reflexes to just quick tap off the board and then to finish this and you're right in real time it looked a little bit rushed but actually like on the replay pretty composed like he he actually managed you know from the top on the backboard to the finish um very comfortably for just like how much is going on there how difficult that is and for the fact that you can't literally just hang in the air you are on your way down um i was very impressed i thought it was a great dunk i was glad he got he got a 50 and um this is certainly where the bias plays in but by a million miles. My outstanding memory of that night is going to be him standing at the judge's table, leaning on it, waiting for a score. Mm-hmm. Just truly iconic stuff from Pat. The kind of thing that, you know, if the whole thing wasn't fixed, he would have got through to the final for one point, one point And Dwayne Wade decides it. And considering Dwayne Wade's influence later on. Hmm. Um, Like, Aaron Gordon should have won this thing overall, right? But once they got to the final. Mm. You don't think so? You don't think it was absolutely ridiculous? Well, maybe objectively, if we want to rescore all the dunks in the final, well, Derek Jones Jr. should have won before that. But you don't think when it came down to those last two dunks, that dunking over Taco Fall was more impressive?
0: I have relooked at the footage. Okay, it's not that clean of a jump.
1: How clean do you expect it to be? The man I is seven was just, for five. I
0: knew this question was coming. I knew this question was coming. I don't have a good response.
1: <laughs> right. Well, then that answers it. But I do think I
0: do think Jones was certainly the most consistent dunker of the two. Um. And granted, well, I mean, he did basically just do, like, the last two dunks. I mean, they're basically the same. Um, I don't know. I, I guess it's, it's. we'll never know the true winner. I mean, it's been recognized as Derek <laughs> Jones Jr., but does the public think so? I don't know.
1: Well, I, I think they clearly don't, but you might be an exception. You're in on the conspiracy I don't, I don't I'm just saying I don't think I, don't, I think he
0: is a deserved winner. It's just
1: he, you know,
0: the how it was like premeditated that oh this is gonna be the final round so we have to make give it to someone. The whole
1: thing was ridiculous. Yes. Well, hold on. when when Wade was having a tantrum and was like, "No, no, we're calling it here, we're finishing." I'm like, "What? What is this about? You have no control over this. This is like." Your job is to judge. Just because you've got a microphone on, let's not run away at this. Like, I like Dwayne Wade. I've always liked him as a as a player, as a personality, certainly as a man. He's only come across as, like, a very likable and thoughtful figure since his playing days have come to an end. But you're just like, what is this? What are you, like, no, I'm not picking a winner, and we're all going to walk away from the table. And then someone... Like, comes over and is like, what are you doing? (laughs) This is a TV broadcast. We need a winner. And then they go back and he's like... And even, I'm sure you saw the comments that came out from Common, right?
0: Common. Dwayne Wade talked about it too. Candace Parker. Did Wade
1: talk about it? That they had agreed they were going to go a certain way and someone didn't actually follow through with it. Yes. Which has to be Wade. I
0: don't know. Chadwick Boseman, has, he's quiet. He's very quiet right
1: now. <laughs> he, he was very quiet on the night.
0: <laughs> he's uh, uh, he's yeah. waiting until the heat dies down.
1: <laughs> okay, that's enough of the dunk contest. All-Star Sunday, the All-Star game itself. um, Best All-Star game that I can remember.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely. The new format. Two thumbs up.
0: Yes, agreed. Yeah, I I was bullish on it going into it because I think it it was not that confusing. It really wasn't. We thought. Well, we talk they made they made it. They made
1: it they, we did, but they made it more confusing. Like we said all along, and they did it with like five minutes to go in the fourth quarter. They should have just had another scoreboard up that kept the aggregate score at all times. Because yeah. even the way it was being called, where like was it? It was the third quarter to finished tied, right? Um, yes. And say something like that. And they were talking about the third quarter as if it was, like they're referring to it as a game. And it's like, oh, the game is tied. It's like, no, it's not. That's not even like th- that makes it more confusing than just treating it the way it is. But I think you'd very easily solve a lot of that. There also might
0: be a Marv Albert problem.
1: Then. He was really sharp. I'm not saying his commentary. You did was, call Kyle Lowry. What's what he, them? though? He was more relaxed than I've heard of him in a long time, which I guess is natural and understandable why that would be the case. But he was much sharper for that. Where I was like,
0: "Oh, maybe you should take still that got to some trips regular him.
1: broadcasts. So, <laughs> maybe I mean, maybe you would get too loose then, and we'd have some real tr- trouble. But yeah, um, yeah um, I just think you solve a lot by putting the score up there, particularly like when it just becomes weird when they do a, uh, uh, might we end the third quarter interview with Chris Paul? And he's like, well, we're all just talking about the score. We're down nine. <laughs> it's like, oh, well, this is clearly all the players are thinking about. Sure, they're trying to win the quarters, but they are very much aware of what the score is and wanting to win the game overall. Um, So, yeah, I mean, that's that's one guess, I guess, Neil, I'd pick with the whole thing, but it, it did work for the most part. Um, I wonder if in future stagings, if it might actually work better even, because the first half wasn't working. No. Like, there wasn't really any difference at all. It was a slow burn. And it's, it was only really once, it was kind of only really once the third quarter, which even, the defense wasn't necessarily there then, but <laughs> you got... The competitive juices flowing on both sides because they were going and playing for the money at the end of the quarter and the charities were kind of screaming on um, from whatever in the court they were on. And that kind of just upped the intensity overall, it seemed like, and that carried over into the fourth quarter where pride really kicked in all around.
0: You could judge when the competitive juices were kicking in based on, like, the speed of closeouts. Or if there were even closeouts. <laughs> That's where it was, like, the first two quarters were like, oh, okay, Opus.
1: Giannis was one of the most guilty parties for that all night.
0: Yeah. but I Which
1: mean- is actually something we've seen be a problem for him in real games at times, less so this season, but it was something in the past that uh, I was pretty annoyed about, that he just seemed to have this kind of very, oh, yeah, just kind of sound out and I kind of put my arm up and he wasn't even putting his arm up. It seemed like you know, every time there was an open corner tree, it was because Giannis had just walked away from his guy, but he certainly wasn't alone in that one. Mm-hmm. Giannis and Chris's performances overall. I guess it makes sense to start with Chris because that's going to be a short conversation. It wasn't to be a repeat of last year. No. Nick Nurse holding him back on like coach Bud and the books coaching stuff. Hmm. Um, I remember next to nothing of Chris's all-star performance this year. The dunk. I don't even remember it. Remember that? <laughs> I, re- I remember him making the tree. Yes. Um. Two of seven. Played 23 minutes, which was quite a lot. Um... The most outside of Kyle Lowry of any bench player. And more than starters, Pascal Siakam. Hmm. Interesting, Nick Nurse is monitoring his minutes. Trey Young. Um, Giannis did log the most minutes of any player on Team Giannis. Most minutes of any player in the game. And by quite a long way, I mean... No player on... Uh, amazingly, the team where Jason Kidd was sitting on the bench logged more than twenty nine minutes, and that was Ben Simmons. Isn't that amazing?
0: It is amazing.
1: None of the starters. You know, what the most minutes any starter on. I I mean, it is Frank Vogel's team, but just for the sake of argument, we'll call it Jason Kidd's well,
0: team. Um, didn't starter. It was. Le- hmm. Kawhi?
1: Do you know how many minutes he played?
0: It felt like he was out there for a while. I'll go 27 minutes. 20 minutes. What? Whoa.
1: Anthony Davis and Kawhi led the starters in minutes on Team LeBron. Both played 20 minutes. LeBron played 19 minutes. Harden and Doncic 18 minutes. Uh, This is something that I think is kind of interesting and worth talking about in a minute when we get to the exciting end to the game in the fourth quarter and in Giannis' performance also, um, it's just something that was just people with so many of the stupid conversations of the last couple of days, um, seem to be oblivious to, is that one team didn't have their best players playing heavy minutes at all, actually was just letting them rest for most of the game and then had them come in and kind of close things out where the other, they had a very different approach. Um, I saw all of you know Raptors Twitter hailing Nick Nurse's All Star coaching. I'm not even being you know an asshole, big funny here. Th- this is a real thing I saw. I'm just like, this is come on, this is jump the shark at this point. Um, someone needs to put this whole thing in order. Come playoff time, Jordan. <laughs> but yeah, a kind of an interesting split in how these two teams were coached. Um. Giannis' performance overall, I mean, maybe don't quite go to the fourth quarter and some of the elements that are there that we will talk about, but what did you think of his performance overall?
0: Dunks? There were a lot of dunks. <laughs> there were a lot of dunks. There were a lot of dunks. Lot of dunks. <laughs> um, uh, still getting that that dad weight off <laughs> I'm joking. Joking, of course. Being That's fast- a
1: joke that is not a joke. True. I, I mean, not necessarily that specific element of it, but... I, I'll get to it, I'll get to it in a minute. My my thing on Giannis is um for all of talking about his performance if they had uh, not missed a couple of layups which his team did across the the course of the fourth quarter, Kemba Walker missed one that was really particularly bad. Giannis missed a couple of uh, a layup and an easy dunk as well. But they would have won, and if they had won, Giannis would have been All-Star game MVP.
0: Yeah.
1: And he wasn't at his best, but he would have won the All-Star game MVP because he was the best player on his team. I mean, Rudy Gobert has a case for it, but he no. He was good. Is Rudy Gobert Rudy was really Gobert. good, actually. He was really good. He was
0: better the than, than he was the more, I guess, impactful big man compared to
1: But he was playing his of, of him and a bead, you're saying? Yes. <laughs> he was just playing cleanup. And True. if you want to play that way, there's a lot that you can feast on in the All-Star game. It's a pretty smart approach as opposed to Embiid who was like, oh, I'm going to get this ball like way out in the wing and I'm going to try and back the whole way down and turn it over. It's like, okay, this is this is weird. Um, a lot of weird Embiid energy. Like, I mean, probably a conversation we'll have in another podcast soon in regard to the Sixers and much more consequential conversations, but his whole energy has just got super weird and I, for as strange as their season has been, I think things are gonna get worse before this year's out, like it just, things are really, really off there and I don't quite know I don't quite know what exactly has done it, but then we could probably draw up a list of like a hundred different things that have contributed to it, so.
0: There's a crack in that locker room that's
1: bigger than the Liberty Bell, you know what I mean? (laughs) Um, okay, the fourth quarter. The Elam ending, your thoughts.
0: Loved it. Loved it. I've actually watched the the T B T some games for the T B D. TBT. God. The basketball tournament. Basketball right. tournament, not to be determined. Um, <laughs> um I've seen Marquette, I believe, has been in the last couple years and kind of uh follow them through it because obviously there's like a through line to through it and I like it in there. Uh I mean, it makes it really entertaining and I think for the first year, if you're introducing it, I mean, you got the game that you wanted. Now, I'm not saying that if they keep doing that rule that you're going to have similar games because you know, it could be blowout. I mean, you could just tell like the other thing too is that like you could tell when, it could easily be kinda of, it's an all-star game. You you could see like okay, you could take this order. Yeah, you know I mean, like it, it can be But
1: it it's crucial the, the score was just close enough going into the fourth quarter that it was interesting. Yes. That there was enough motivation on Team LeBron and belief that they could still win it. Um and that Team yas would have felt like, Oh, it's close, you know, we have a nine point advantage and twenty four points isn't a lot. Like I think that is a that was also kind of a perfect storm that you may not get in another year. Like if a team is up 20 going into the fourth quarter, I mean, it's not going to matter all that much.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. I I really, I really liked that. They, it, it worked out well for the first year. And I think it's a no brainer going forward.
1: And what do you think they do with that? Do you think they just keep it at 24 and it becomes this permanent mm. thing that the All-Star game memorializes Kobe?
0: That's a good point.
1: Because 24, I think it ultimately proved, is quite a lot and would be even more if the margin that one team was behind was quite significant. And I mean, they were ramping up defense trying to make a comeback. You know, that four quarter went on for a really, really long time and... Like, they they do need to be careful of that, because the idea is not to run the league's best players into the ground over All-Star Weekend. That is, in fact, the complete opposite of what, you know, this week is designed for. So it produced a great product. But even, imagine if... Imagine if Team LeBron were 10 points further behind. They still managed to make that kind of comeback. I mean, they could have been out there playing a fourth quarter for, like... An hour? Well,
0: I mean, it was, like, basically, like, 20 minutes already. It
1: was... And that's without interruptions, without. like we would normally have, too. I mean, it's not unusual for four quarters to be 20 minutes, but we've normally got, like, four breaks at <laughs> that time. Yeah. So, it, it just, it flowed a lot better, too. It, just amazingly entertaining. Like, the free throw thing is obviously a disappointment, but there's well, yeah, nothing the, you can do about that. The thing, like too, the though, fi- it
0: wasn't even, like, it was a great played fourth quarter, yeah, you know I mean, a lot no. of it was just going back to the free throw line.
1: well, the defense was was great, yeah I, the I honestly I mean yes. the, the thing that it really opened my eyes up to is you know what? offense doesn't matter <laughs> no i'm I'm not saying we want you know sixty four sixty two games, and that uh, the changes in the nBA haven't been good overall for the game. But what's crucial is that for all of that offense, you know what really makes a game entertaining is when great defensive plays are being made. You know, that is
0: defense wins championships and also All-Star games.
1: And hearts, Jordan. And wins hurts. hearts. Yes. Um, you you genuinely need that balance just to make your product as interesting as possible. And just that element of motivation, I mean all my favorite plays in this game were defensive plays.
0: Yeah.
1: Like I can't remember anything offensively that anyone did. Like, I really, I can't. There's nothing, and it that's such a weird adjustment because even if you think back to like, uh, say Steph and Giannis connecting on all the oops in the past, things like that. Like, I mean, I mentioned to you probably already. If I was to get my top three plays, they're in some order going to include uh, Giannis locking LeBron down and blocking his shot. Um, Kawhi just. Like the most ridiculous, just kawaii I'm taking the ball steal of all time that he had on Embiid and a rebound the fourth quarter when things were really tightening up, and he literally just like tears the ball loose. You're just like you are, you are a freak of nature. This guy's unlike anyone else in the league. And then Giannis's block on LeBron, which is one of the all-time great blocks yeah. that was called the goaltend. Eventually, reversed like that is one of the all-time great blocks. Um, With the pressure, the stakes of the situation at that time, it was really getting close to the end. And the player involved, you know, the two team captains, just a truly incredible moment. The kind of moment that it's not Game 7 and Championship on the line, but there aren't many other blocks I can compare that to. So the one that does come to mind is LeBron against the Warriors. Like, I just thought that was an incredible moment. And that really just brought the whole game up a different level. It brought the game along. The scoring was terrible. I mean, people talk about the offense and um, we'll kind of get into talking about Giannis in that regard in a minute. The offense was terrible on all, on both sides. And like, to me, I'm open to your thought and I'm curious, but to me, it's obvious. Why do you have any thoughts about this?
0: Um, well, I, no.
1: <laughs> okay, that's fair enough. I I think you might in a second, when I kind of expand on it. There's this question. There's obviously been some, like, grade A morons, right, the last couple of days who've just, you know, people who play basketball but clearly, you know, don't have working eyes or brains or mouths. I don't know. People who just, look, everyone knows what I'm talking about. I I wouldn't even bother with they just don't engage with this because people do and that's kind of a mystery to me, but here we are. So you get all of this conversation around Giannis and what Giannis didn't do offensively in the fourth quarter. And, oh, this isn't good for the Bucs, you know? When he comes up against a defense and stops him, this is what happens. I don't think that's entirely true. I don't think that speaks to the spirit of the game and the way things kind of went in the fourth quarter. At the same time, Okay, if I'm going to humor you and take it at face value, I will admit that if Giannis comes up against a team that has Chris Paul, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and Kawhi Leonard on the floor all at once, even having James Harden there isn't going to help him because you've got four of like the absolute greatest defenders of like the last 20 years. And on the opposite side of the floor... Team Giannis, when scoring was generally slowed down, it wasn't the best played quarter. I mean, you had Kyle Lowry playing out of his mind defensively, uh, working incredibly hard. You had Giannis, to me, being like head and shoulders above everyone else on the floor defensively. People only want to talk about his offensive fourth quarter. He was a monster in the fourth defensively. Like... This is a kind of interesting development because it hasn't always been the case that the best players in the league are the, the league's best defenders, but there is some real crossover on that, and even some of the players who weren't on the floor, like someone like Rudy Gobert, if he had seen a bit more time late in the game, um, maybe Team Janis got to come up with the win, particularly considering he was getting things going on the offensive side too. But to me, it's like when the conversation's like, "Oh, you know, Giannis couldn't do this," I would be worried. All right, if the Bucks were gonna come up against you know, four all-time great defenders together in the playoffs that then can go down the other end and you've got four all-time great offensive players, five, because Dan Harden gets added into that mix too. Do you know what I'm saying? Well, the way this game has been analysed is just bizarre to me in terms of trying to trying to bring meaning and the way in which meaning is people are attempting to take meaning from it for what could come down the line for Giannis and the books, because it's like Okay. I mean the best the best versions of a team that are gonna face the books are gonna try and stop Giannis are gonna involve no more than two players of that calibre. It will be LeBron and A D, or it will be Kawhi and Paul George. It just seems to be a conversation that is bizarrely skewed and I can't understand why it's a thing.
0: I mean it's stupid. It's all stupid.
1: (laughs) Um, But you take my point of, like, Giannis struggling with those four guys on the opposite end, like, that we're using that as something to talk about, his ability to create offense, is just so ridiculous, because who can create offense against Kawhi, even when he doesn't have LeBron and AD flanking him, and Chris Paul at, like, the point of attack? It's like, what... What is this? What world do we think that that is the bar that anyone needs to be measured by? Because, the content, you know, roles reversed. But roles reversed if it's LeBron on that team. I think LeBron's going to have a pretty tough time if him and Giannis swap places. You know, it's the, it's the kind of reality of this is the all-star game with so many great players. And in this case, great two-way players.
0: By the way, they, both teams were a combined 39.1% from the field in the fourth quarter. 5 for 22 from 3. So, I mean, LeBron's team was more efficient by a, a wide, wider margin, but it wasn't...
1: A... And they got to the line in the fourth, which is how they really won the game.
0: Yeah, it was yeah, 26 total free throw tips.
1: So, have you got any thoughts at all? Because this is what the people seem to want about what the All-Star game and how it finishes means for Giannis, the player, um, when he comes up in the biggest moments of his career.
0: I've always said whatever happens the All-Star game reflects on how uh, <laughs> players choose to <laughs> dictate their entire career. Um, I thought you
1: were going to say whatever happens to the All-Star game stays the All-Star exactly,
0: game. Exactly, especially if it's a Vegas um, it was in Vegas at one point. Uh, I don't know. This is where I I have more thoughts on 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 the dunk contest three point shootout than than the game itself. It was just also it was like again like it was a a bit of a whiplash for me like watching the game just suddenly turn competitive. That was the other thing that I was like, oh, we're whoa, okay, like, I was still, like, trying to get my mind wrapped around that, oh, it also gave us becoming competitive.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was weird. I was watching, um, the next morning, and I was writing uh, throughout it and editing, and then it got to, we'll say, like, eight minutes to go, or so, in the fort? What I thought was eight minutes to go. Um... And, yeah, I just had to stop what I was doing. Like, <laughs> I had to stop writing, and I'm like, I've got to, like, lock in on this. This is too good not to be completely focused on. Um, and, yeah, it was it was amazing. It was a really entertaining game. And hopefully they continue to tweak it. I mean, I don't think it's perfect. I think, like, I don't think just bringing back and trotting it the same way next year will... Lead to the exact same results, so continue to be open to kind of changes and how they can work. It is certainly a good thing, but um, yeah, a good a good day for people like Jordan who care way too much about the All Star Game and All Star Weekend, and a, a good All Star Weekend overall. That was just you know marred by Dwayne Wade. Um, do you want to before we go into the mailbag talk about the other miscellaneous things? Related to the All-Star Weekend festivities.
0: Yes, I think Shaka Khan has just finished her uh, national (laughs) anthem as we were speaking. (laughs) Speaking. Or or should I say Miss Monster, she was on the messaging. The national
1: anthem in any context is not something I want to do or feel comfortable doing. uh, Considering it's not mine, but that was not good. Um, If you feel that was good, I don't know what to say. That was really quite painful. And I thought it had all been going so well up until that point. But, yeah, that was a choice. They always make these choices with the National Anthem. Not that they don't have to make them in other areas, too. But the National Anthem. But your overall uh, take on the Chicago presentation, the whole, um, certainly pre-game, the lengthy introductions, which can often be quite arduous, how did you find them on this occasion? I liked it. I liked the...
0: Production of it, I like the, I, they did this with the Super Bowl where they bring they have like this kid like running around and it's supposed to be like, I would assume it's like you're the avatar for the kids out there. This is what you can do with your dream and stuff like that. In the Super Bowl, they had the kid eventually run into. It was like it turned from pre-recorded video to live action, and he's running on the on the field. That's what it was. It was like another introduction like that this time like the kid like fake mining (laughs) shitty basketball of course i was like what is going on here and then common comes out and is you know i've seen on those microsoft commercials he's he's (laughs) he's a great (laughs) what is that that is poet slam poetry slam slam dunk poetry
1: i guess if we're keeping the he's a poet i he is a poet um I I enjoyed Comet. I do too. I I I think it was just. I know there was a lot of people who didn't. I think he was given a lot to do. Yeah, <laughs> like oh, a clearly. lot. Uh, I think eventually, if you give someone that much to do for that long, things are going to get a bit weird and off the rails at some point. And even I thought typical of that was the fact that he fluffed like his second to third last line, which was something like welcome to all-star game 2020 and he, he just after everything he had said um so you might want to draw attention to or reflect on the moment he didn't get those words out properly and i was like yeah you've given this guy a lot to do um he's not just acting as like mc in a host capacity he's also being the performer being the show like when does this happen? Pharrell wasn't there with his hat introducing All-Stars, was he? Am I misremembering this? Did it DJ Khaled do it last year? DJ Khaled always does too much at All-Star Weekend, that is one thing I will say. Um, I don't know, is like Adam Silver the world's biggest DJ Khaled fan? If you go to the NBA offices, is it just like DJ Khaled everywhere? <laughs> but it's very strange. How central he tends to be in All Star Weekend. Um, you asked specifically for us to talk about comments. So, what is it you have to say? His introductions, in particular.
0: Well, I mean, when it came to, well, actually, no, it was Chriso's first introduced. I can't remember what he did for his rhyme.
1: I can't remember any. It was. Of the rhymes, it was also. It I was remember... kind of a stretch because he was like middle ton Yes, it was Middletown. It was. Um, And Chris kind of had something of a reaction face when the camera cut to him on that. Um, But he didn't stretch at all for some of the other ones, which made the rhymes really weird. And I, I don't have the specifics, but I know there were multiple occasions. Kawhi Leonard was one of the weirder ones. I can't remember, but it was like... That's not even the hardest thing to rhyme. Maybe it is, I guess. But... You was it something about load like... management? No, it wasn't. Oh. Um. <laughs> but this worked for you? Commons rhymes worked for you?
0: I will I I just think the whole thing I I liked it. I, I think it was Again, this is an area where they it could easily fall on their face and it's like you know. it should it's completely ridiculous exactly. it's
1: designed to be terrible like you have it's impossible to, to hold back this a laugh,
0: laugh during a Fergie's anthem yeah I mean like we are normal. it's like 40
1: minutes of a hosted thing it would be like uh the Oscars is its own problem because they don't do hosts anymore but it would be like imagine if the Oscars started and there was a 40 minute monologue where that's gonna or get or like Eminem of
0: just it. suddenly comes out and just starts oh, doing God. <laughs>
1: Oh, don't let's not do that, please. Let's not do that. I thought I'd looking like he's a character from Watch Dogs. That's a video game.
0: <laughs> he looks like a character from that game.
1: Oh God, um, yeah. I I thought it was great up until Shaka Khan came out. Um Jennifer Hudson was amazing, and then I think Common did uh, literally as well as anyone could do in that situation. And they will Talking probably get someone someone else to try to do that and have it be just a complete disaster. And oh, we've had that before. Wasn't TJ Callaghan Kevin, Kevin Hart pronouncing Yanis' name and all of that? Like, all those terrible jokes. Like, that's. He's supposed to be a comedian. I say so. I guess, I mean,
0: sense. but uh, put Pat Collins' name out there. He'll do the same.
1: He got it right, too. That was. Yeah. Anyway. We'll move on to the mailbag. let it. This is not going to get us away from some of these conversations. Um, at Cowboy's Space, how will the league divide up Giannis like the pieces of Exodia after he leaves to play with all of his brothers in different cities at the same time? In all seriousness, how long does it take Marv to essentially get Ursan benched? We have three people who asked the second part of this question. Um, so I'll actually, I'll go to those right now. From at Apple third, you see Marvin Williams taking most, if not all of Urson's minutes in, in, uh, in Indy. He looked miles better than Urson. Secondly, oh, what is the ideal? This is getting complicated now. I've got multiple questions and questions. Secondly, what is the ideal small ball line with Marvin on his team for the playoffs? For argument's sake, let's not include Bled because of, well, you know, and the other question related to Marvin and Urson is from at Wesley Bill, will Marvin end up taking Urson's minutes? So, to get to the bare-bones element of that, will Marvin end up taking ourselves minutes?
0: I think it's inevitable that he takes some.
1: Mm-hmm. This is my answer, too. He'll eat into some, but not all.
0: Yeah. Um. I know we talked about after they signed Marvin Williams. Uh, There's probably going to be a little bit more big ball lineup, so I wrote about that today. Uh, I called this. Yes, yes, you did. I called
1: this. Yes, you did. I mean, everyone was talking small, and I was like... You guys don't know Bud yet. Bud literally... He, talked,
0: he talked about it in
1: the... He, he gave the quote within a couple of days. Like He's completely open and honest about... Give him a chance to play Ultra Big, and he'll just start blabbing about it to everyone. He doesn't say stuff most of the time. Give him players where he could be like, oh, wait till you see me play a power forward at the 2. And he's excited.
0: And I even... I In my piece, I included... They've only... Ursan, Brooke, and Giannis have only played together seventeen minutes. And that's I mean I, and they have the highest net rating of a three man combination, which is just to quote Bud, uh effin beautiful.
1: Um <laughs> Jumbo's the future.
0: Yes, it is. Um but I'm not I don't it's yeah, it's not gonna be entirely and again, this is Ursan, he goes up and down. We're curly in the middle of a down patch. Um,
1: if I, you Officer know, break came at a great time for him.
0: Yes, yes, I would definitely agree with that. Um, I, th- I mean, yeah, um, and I think I mean, it's not just Erson. I roll those minutes have are going to go down. I mean, his minutes have also kind of, kind of, they have shrunk, uh, especially as but has leaned more into small ball lineups. Um, they just
1: fluctuate wildly night to night. He's entirely a matchup-dependent option at this point.
0: Yeah, which is not... I mean, that's not completely surprising. Um, and ultimately, I mean, that's kind of what you want from him in the playoff setting. It's smart, Yeah, right. it's, it's very smart, yes.
1: But yeah, um, I, it's not just... As, as for the small ball element of this, I think my pick would be Particularly if we're excluding Bled, um, as was laid out in the question. Hill, Dante, Chris, Marvin Yanis? Hill, Dante, Chris, Marvin Giannis. I think that's kind of a really good two-way small ball lineup that isn't giving up size. I would agree with that. Probably I mean, think you run a lot of teams off the floor with that.
0: There's probably gonna be some variation of if it's a Dante, it could be Pat. Uh maybe mm-hmm. even Sterling. But I, mm-hmm. I would like that.
1: Um, have I what was the oh the original part of the first question? How will the league divide up Yanos like the pieces of Exodia? Do you know what Exodia is? I don't know. It's obviously some pop cultural thing that we're missing out on Um, after he leaves to play with all his brothers in different cities at the same time. I assume you saw Yanis' quotes today, which, well, one of the quotes has kind of been taken out of context and everyone's going to choose the quote that suits their own agenda and promote it. Or have you seen these? You may not have. Um, I don't think so.
0: I saw some quotes that were not like that at all. Um, About
1: him teaming up with his brothers, whether it's in Milwaukee or LA, you haven't seen this, no.
0: No, is he just saying that because Costas is a two-way player?
1: Well, that's a very logical, I think, conclusion. Is the fact that you know there's three of them in the league at the moment, two are in Milwaukee and one's in LA. Um, but that that is, it was a USA Today video interview that they circulated that part of it as like, oh, books fans won't want to hear this to which Matt Velasquez of the Journal Sentinel, which I believe is still connected to USA Today, right? Same parent company. Um, He then, quote, tweeted it with another quote from that interview that wasn't included in the video linked. I'm going to link to the full video, which was Janis talking about like seeing himself staying in Milwaukee for a long time because he wants to win. If they're winning, well, what's the problem? And he would like to be with a franchise for a long time. Um, So he's basically covered all bases. And we're clearly reaching just the point of this process where every day people are going to freak out over something different. But I guess that's what the first part of this question was in relation to. We've also reached the point of the process, like the whole um, every idiot that you never knew worked for Fox Sports or ESPN tweeting stuff where they just clearly don't know anything and is paying attention to it. That's the point in the ana cycle we've reached. You know, We're that close to everything coming to a head where these are the kind of people who are having opinions, and the people are reacting one way or another to. Um, where Rockets fans are just getting endlessly upset about Yanis constantly like. Just... <laughs> I, I will admit, fans kind of strange what picking on James Harden the
0: Rockets getting upset. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Did you see the video that Rockets fans have been uh, dissecting, like this Predator film, I for saw the last the couple days?
0: James Harden. <laughs>
1: It was a bit of an elbow, I will say. I mean, he did have another shot at James Harden at the post-All-Star Game press conference yeah, when he was I, I, asked, yeah, you know, I what was the strategy? One. And he's like, we just said, whoever has got James Harden, let's get them the ball because they've got the best chance to score. Which is both accurate. Like, I just talked true. There was four, like, all-time defenders on the floor for the key junctures of that and James Harden. But it feels like players don't normally do that single people out like that, and he just continues to do this with Harden, which is kind of entertaining. Um, but with all of that, and with the reactions to that and everything, it's just we've reached the point where um, Giannis is not everybody's golden child because everyone has their own agenda at this point. Yeah, pretty much. It's time to, basically, if you're a books fan, just, you know, find other hobbies and take cover and try not to get like, completely consumed by the endless Giannis takes and the, you know, rumblings of, oh, someone close to Giannis has said, you know. And I mean, on the flip side of this, Alex Saratsis, his agent, who we have talked about before, Jordan, uh, he had some comments the last few days, which, as we discussed privately, I think were... Much more positive than I could ever imagine his comments about the possibility of Giannis staying in Milwaukee long-term being. Mm. Like, very encouraging. Didn't, like, close doors on everything else because he's an agent that would not be very clever. Got to have
0: some leverage.
1: Got to have some leverage, and you've just got to be prepared for, you know, any potential eventuality, but he really did kind of lay the case for, yeah, sure, he could be here, and why wouldn't he? which was also what Giannis said outside of this other quote that's got people going crazy. A lot of people going crazy, Jordan. It's rough times out there. Um, from at Strand1052, it's just the All-Star game, but Giannis was non-existent offensively in that fort. A few times it looked like he tried to run through the wall again. How much of that is lack of fam- familiarity with teammates and how much should we be concerned that he can't seem to create a shot? I've already laid out one of my main thoughts on this, which is, you know, Again, if he comes up against like that many like all defensive first team caliber defenders, that's gotta be a problem. I mean, <laughs> I don't care who he is, how good he is, that will be a problem. That isn't even about the weaknesses in his game. That's just that's the caliber of players you're dealing with. The other key part of this is um remember when I ran through the minutes differences on both sides? Yeah. Team Yannis were gassed and Near the end of that game. Because they'd all played much longer. And Jana's played the most. He played 31 minutes, which is not exactly out of the normal for him this year. It is a little tiny bit over. But let's not forget that in the past week, he had not played games. Like, oh, I wonder what was the gap to his last game. Got to be close to a week, right? Oh, not yeah. More?
0: It was uh, the Magic game.
1: Which was the Saturday, wasn't it? So, eight days? Mm-hmm. Eight days without a game, and I would say without practice, up until probably all-star game practice. Very little sleep. (laughs) Very little sleep, which he spoke about himself. And we're now scrutinizing this as if this is something like that is going to be representative of what Giannis' preparations are like, what he's going to look like in the fourth quarter of a playoff game. He's not going to have played all those players. He's not going to have dealt with what is probably the most emotionally draining week of his life, certainly right up there um because i can't imagine what it must be like to have a life-changing event one of the most joyous moments of his life the birth of his son and then three days later four days later whatever it was to have to go to a different city and have like 200 people huddle around you ask questions to have to take part in all these events to have to do panels of barack obama like why do we pretend any of this is normal and representative of you know what his normal preparations are or the kind of headspace he'd usually be in even just the obligations as a team captain um is it's insane and he said this last year when he came back that it was a lot and he was actually really tired by it and that was without having just had you know a child born so i just think like the scrutiny on this is ridiculous it's just people looking for any reason to get concerned about the things that we know are concerns i mean sure those things are issues I still think against ninety nine percent of the players on the planet, you know, he comes through them. Um, certainly one on one, even with double teams, if you've got four guys who can crowd him out, which they did on multiple occasions, that becomes a different story. But you you're just not gonna play a team that has four players as good as those four defensively. And also it's not like Nick Nurse is just like give the ball to Yanis and everyone else get out of the way or you know, it's Kemba Walker gets the ball. Kemba Walker is an all-star and he's gonna do some stuff. Kyle Larry gets the ball, he's gonna do some stuff. Like, to think that it's just they're all gonna kind of bow down and let Giannis take the lead just doesn't seem plausible to me. Maybe maybe I'm just out my own on that, but that's my kind of thoughts on it.
0: I yeah, I I, I
1: don't I can't. <laughs> yeah, this is unlike the dunk contest. This is not like. Will I will I use the term your bag, Jordan? It's not my bag. Not your bag. I
0: I will talk about Antetokounmpo. I will have a <laughs> refusal, uh, to talk about the fourth quarter. I I see see it doesn't rhyme. It doesn't rhyme, people.
1: Was that an attempt? That wow. Um. Okay. From at OG Jeezy, who do you see as the biggest threat in the East? Come playoff time, Miami, Boston, Toronto, or Philly?
0: Do you have your answer?
1: I don't. I don't see any of them as a threat.
0: Hmm. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm
1: re I'm really at the point who where do I struggle. You, if
0: they go to the conference finals, who do you? Who
1: it's are- it's still the Sixers. If the Sixers somehow figured it out, hmm. I just think roster wise, like we're talking about the kind of defenders that you're not going to see multiple guys like that. Well, they're the team that could do that if they could just get themselves together. That um, they're a complete shell offensively. And certainly Giannis could wreak havoc on that end against them. I think that's, again, something that is not talked about enough if people want to read into All Star Weekend, just how well he can defend the very best players in the league. But when I look at those teams, I mean, there's just not a lot right now that's causing me any kind of fear. Like, the Bucs are miles ahead of any other Eastern Conference team. Like, very literally in the standings. But I just also think in terms of their level of play... It doesn't mean that they're gonna like sweep their way through the east but if we're to kind of just take what we've seen so far what seems reasonable to project ahead i i just don't see the teams the east giving them the kind of trouble that if we were to broaden this conversation out and we bring the lakers or the clippers in like i think that's a very different conversation i think both of those teams are very legitimately kind of on the books level and certainly could be over the duration of a series. Where I think for these four teams in the East, it's not impossible they could get there. It's not impossible they could beat the Bucs in a series. But they're not showing anything right now or haven't to this point in the season or even historically in their current form that makes me say, oh, they're like the big threats. The Sixers, just a hypothetical of what they can be. And look, we saw one instance of it. It happens to be a game where Yanis wasn't fully healthy and a lot of other stuff didn't go right. But we did see one look at it. I mean, they are they are the team. They are the team... There's a reason to start of the season. People are talking about what they could be. They aren't that, but it would be not all that ideal if the Bucs were to f- find themselves playing them in the second round or the conference finals, and all of a sudden the Sixers were to find that gear. Um that would not be my dream scenario by any means.
0: I made my thoughts on the Sixers known last week.
1: Your the your pick's the Raptors here, right? Yes it is. I I, I... I just
0: I, I, I don't. Th- I
1: can't believe we're doing this again. And a year later, I'm going to be saying these kind of things. I have more respect for them than I had a year ago, uh, as competitors, right? <laughs> but this is what they are to me. They are missing the thing that they're going to need. I think they're have. missing. Yeah, yes, Giannis I think they're the missing. Bucks. But I do like, think they don't have Kawhi. It's simple. I do
0: think it'll be a conference finals rematch.
1: But do you not think the books would win that in like five games? Might be close games. but I don't know if it'll be five. Somewhere but I think.
0: I think. Yeah. I, I think they are the closest. To the Bucks. I, I mean obviously record wise. But I think they are.
1: The- I don't disagree with that. Like when, when I say the Sixers. I fear what the Sixers could be more. I, I think you're right to say the conference finals could be a rematch. Because that does look realistic right now. Just because you know. The Raptors have got their stuff together, as other teams don't. And they're they're not going to have like some sort of weird drama, it seems like, like the other teams could. They are the most like the books just in terms of maturity and where they're at in their overall journey. They just don't have anywhere close to the talent this time around.
0: Yeah. I would agree with that.
1: The next question from an MK Robert. How disappointing was it to see Kristian Yelich involved in Pat Stone contests, but in fact not hitting a basketball with a bat? I wasn't disappointed because I believe in like things that make sense. It was one of just Jordan working his way through that. And I'll let you all in on that continued for days. Like that continued. It was not the last conversation we had about that potential dunk routine. Jordan was very much wedded to this idea. And it was getting pretty annoying. If, if I wasn't annoyed on last week's episode, by the time we're getting close and Jordan really was still holding a hope for the bat and the ball.
0: I mean, that's what the game of baseball is all about. Hitting that ball with that It bat. sure
1: is. This is not baseball. This is the dunk contest.
0: Well, I mean, Pat hit the ball with the
1: backboard. There we go. I I think the only way that this could have been... I thought there was a chance he might have tried to dunk a basketball and then catch a baseball and dunk it. But that seems very, you know, a lot that can go wrong there. Which I think he did make reference to. He didn't want to put anyone in like the front rows in danger, which seems like, you know, getting a baseball and giving Christian Yelich a bat. (laughs) Kind of thing that could do that. Um, But that would have been the only way I could have seen that combination. The idea of hitting a basketball with a baseball bat. Let's move on forever Jordan we never have to think about that again until Pat gets invited back from at John does what did you guys think of the Elam ending Um, I guess we've talked about it I mean the one question here is does this ever become a bigger part of the game is there is there a scenario where this actually makes its way into the NBA at some point in the not near future and maybe not quite distant future but is there a scenario where the NBA thinks this is something they should look to adopt?
0: If anything, it would be through, like, the G league
1: Oh, of course, first. Yeah. I just think it would be such a drastic restructuring of how the game has been played. Like, we were talking earlier about how uh, the Mountain Mountain Dew three-point shot kind of means that the calibration of kind of historical norms is completely thrown off with the Dunk Contest. Imagine bringing the um, ending into games. I mean, I lot of the concerns about it in a in kind of larger use still exist, where it's kind of... Just how random could it make things? And is that ultimately good? I don't know. Particularly over 82 games, I don't know.
0: Yeah, I, I think... You brought up a good point about like playing to twenty four, and obviously that was uh, a reason why they played to twenty four this
1: year. Well, th- do you remember the original proposal? What the deal? The the I'm ending actually is.
0: I can't remember what it.
1: It's last three minutes. It goes to seven points. That's right. From that point on, um, and that was calculated as you know the percentage of probably outdated now but the total points a team are scoring in the game relative to how much time was left so it's i mean if you're probably to uh look at that now you're probably up to eight points or maybe even nine points in the few years since then with the way scoring has increased Uh, but that's the kind of that's the kind of scenario if we're to look at it in a non kobe tribute context where it was to become a thing it would be you play normally up until the last three minutes or so and then It'll be nine points from there. But even that, I mean, I reread Zach Lowe's original article on it the other day when um the basketball tournament were first implementing it and when, when he spoke to Elam about it, um I believe just as a recording, he's dropped a podcast with him, which I'm excited to listen to. Yeah. Um, but one of the concerns that seem to be something that I don't know if there is an answer to is just how exactly you trigger it and how does that affect the game. Because if you're the team who has the lead and you have the ball and it crosses the three minute mark. And all of a sudden you only need nine where you've got a distinct advantage. Elon's reading of that was, well, that's fine because, you know, you've got a lead. So if you've got a further advantage, who cares? I don't know about that though. I mean, we got a really entertaining finish. It has the potential to take drama out of the game. And I think the original proposition was designed because, you know, free throws are ruining the game and it's actually incredibly rare that fouling and, fouling and fouling and fouling works and a team gets to make that kind of comeback. How important is actually making the comeback, though, versus the times where it just gets close and it gets interesting and that provides its own kind of entertainment, albeit one that isn't aesthetically pleasing? It's, it's just very tough to see how they could implement it in a wider sense, although... It certainly deserves you, continued kind of attention to thought after this.
0: Do you know what was weird that I thought would be more interesting? What? Well, I mean, obviously I'm watching the G League this year. I think it would have been more interesting if they take that one free throw rule into like the All-Star game. Or even like this, I mean, celebrity game. I know it's not the same as the All-Star game, but like it would have made it more... To be
1: clear, just to clarify for everyone, this is the one free throw for two points. Yes,
0: or three points, to, depending on like the... Depending on the foul, yeah. yeah. But then again, that, that also it goes back to the old traditional free throws in the final two minutes of the second and fourth quarter. So it's kind of, you know, eventually you'd go back to it. But I think, I don't know, that would have been more interesting that obviously would have... Uh, Made for kind of, they're obviously introducing well, all these rules that would. Well, if we just about.
1: think of the the moment of the game, which is like Anthony Davis was winning it on a free throw, it's like, well, he missed the first free throw.
0: Yeah,
1: I mean, if that was also part of the mix, that's more interesting. But I I don't know how I feel about that either. I mean, you you are watching the G eight this year, so maybe you have a greater sense of it, but. That is something, again, that just seems to introduce an element of randomness that's just a little kooky. I mean, I just... Like, as, as interesting as this was, and as cause is an experiment, I just... I don't know a sport that has any kind of scenario where games end like this. Like, this is just not something that happens anywhere else. Like, it's perfect mm-hmm. for an all-star setting, but there's no precedent in terms of another sport that they... You, calculate the end of their games like this, that it's a, a variable, it element?
0: In, like in terms of like substituting the overtime period and just make it that.
1: Hmm, I like that, I really like that. Just get rid of time to overtime and have it be, but I mean, everyone you're on a level playing field then, so it's you're essentially just saying overtime is first to ten or something. Mm, that's a good point. But there, there, thats an interesting idea, too. I mean, like, is I'm trying to think—is tennis the only thing where we can kind of put anything to where it's not? You don't quite get a target score, but let's say you end up with a—you're in a fifth set of if it's a major and it's men's tennis, and you've got a kind of game that's going on forever because you're you're reaching the point where no one's going too clear, and it's alternating game, alternating game. Like, I mean, oh, this really? is these are the kind of scenarios where there's just the wildcard element where the timing is not set. I guess in golf, you could have a playoff go on forever. But these are the kind of sports that have elements like this. Like if we go to uh, the NFL, if we go to the NHL, if we go to soccer, if we go to rugby, if we go to even Gaelic games, or I am, I just I can't think of like field sports that have anything other than timed periods Mm -hmm. timed halves timed quarters and that's how they end and of course basketball isn't a field sport but it mirrors very closely in almost every other way the kind of rules and structures maybe that can change maybe it shouldn't have and that was just the only known way but i i do think that is one of the challenges is it just seems so kind of cartoonish and drastic because it's unlike anything else in any other sport maybe that becomes your selling point but i i think it in a really drastic larger move it would alienate a lot of people too yeah the fact that it just gave us probably the most interesting and coherent few minutes of the podcast though is uh enough of a enough of a reason to kind of uh tip our hat to it and say it is a really interesting idea and it remains interesting to talk about having seen it in action on such a high profile stage uh from at john doza again Is Bender Gong unclaimed somewhat of an indictment of his NBA prospects, or is it more that apparently the right situation wasn't there? Would have thought he put enough positive things on tape in the book system, but apparently other teams didn't feel that way. I can't make any sense of this, particularly the fact that there's just no word on next move. I mean, maybe that is because there is no word to him, and his preference would certainly not have been to sign a G League deal for the remainder of the season. I think it's also. Um,
0: Well, first of all, we have to remember he only played like 91 minutes. But it's not like
1: 99% of these teams, sure, there are some teams that aren't maybe this competent, but it's not like 99% of those teams don't watch the G League. And, like, it's not like those teams are oblivious to the fact that he was dominating at that level and that even though his minutes were very limited with the Bucs, he was not looking out of place. Like, you don't have to do deep film analysis or really deep dives into the numbers to kind of be like, This guy kind of still has something. And also to just consider, well, he was with the Suns. Like, why has this not worked out until now? (laughs) Um he was probably drafted too high and he was drafted by one of the worst organizations that could possibly draft a player with that kind of development trajectory. Yes.
0: Um I also think it's money. If a team likes him or if team wants to take a shot at him, they could do like a two-way or two-way, ten day contract maybe do another one and then do like a rest of the year deal that you know essentially will be a little bit more than a million dollars but it's you know a non guarantee really which obviously his contract basically was that but the rest of this season was guaranteed it's just less money that teams would have to owe him um that's just what it feels like more than anything that again everything's financially driven and a lot of teams are close up to like, I don't, not tax stuff. I don't know. I'd have to read.
1: So a lot of teams that aren't in that kind of situation and they're going to have nothing better to him the summer. And to me, it was just logical to claim him and you can wave him in the summer before next year if that's what you want to do. Yeah. Like, I, I am confused by it. Honestly, I don't, it doesn't quite make sense to me. Um, wouldn't be great for him, but I mean, if the situation can arise where he does end up signing a and somehow makes his way that the herd can claim him and they get him through the waiver process, I don't know where they really are waiver order. Although they do have his rights, don't they?
0: No. No, because you'd have to sign...
1: Uh... But if, you, if you're if you in preseason, I so suppose that's because you're on an Exhibit 10, um, which is the key difference there. Yeah. Okay. Do you know where the books are in the waiver order? I have no. They idea. haven't added anyway. They, they don't time, really advertise they? that, I don't think.
0: And they they've switched this is like they changed it where it resets after like ten days, so like the top team won't have it for uh basically the whole year if they end up doing nothing. You know what I mean? Um but I also would have to imagine I mean the Herd are the best team in the league, so I, I would imagine it's still not like they're Number one, and they could get like the best guy out, like that is, wants to sign a G League contract and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, that's true. And, and look, because it hasn't happened quickly, doesn't mean that a couple of weeks from now some team wouldn't be giving him a call. But I guess we'll wait and see. Um, we'll wait and see if that breaks. It's it has surprised me to this point, though. From an MK Robert, how impressed, if at all, were you by Kemba, Siakam, Lowry, and Embiid in the fourth quarter of the All Star game? It's been a fair amount of panic about Giannis in the fourth quarter, but I've seen I have have seen, I think it means haven't, seen or heard much discussion about the guy sharing the court with him. Um Kemba was good all game, I thought uh, obviously he has his own limitations. Um Lowry's defence was very impressive. Just how committed he was and obviously that was something that got a lot of conversation going. He was 4 of 12 though, from the field, yeah. so um, not his very best game. He did have 3 turnovers too. It's your thing, he also had 1 turnover, which in an All-Star game is pretty <laughs> really damn good. Um, Embiid was not good. Like, he had 22 on 8 of 13 and 10 rebounds and that to me really flattered him and how he was going about playing the game. I don't think he was really Of the players who got into the spirit late on, I think he was the one who was still closest to playing kind of a weird old All-Star game. He wasn't sharing the ball to me. It was quite strange. I guess in some ways we are seeing some of the problems that manifest with the Sixers because pairing Giannis with him um, doesn't give an entirely different dynamic to Simmons. I mean, Giannis and Siakam, it's not exactly Simmons and and Embiid with or Simmons and uh, Horford would Embiid, but it's not a million miles away either in terms of what you're going to get in an all-star scenario. So he, I don't know, didn't didn't quite work. I wasn't, uh, this was not a game that I thought was like stolen by individuals because even Kawhi didn't play that much. His uh, performance was largely built on just insane shooting from three. Um, Chris Paul also did that. I, I was probably most impressed with Chris Paul of nearly any player on the night. I thought he was really good. But it wasn't like some other years, even compared to Giannis' performances the two previous years, one where kind of individual efforts really stood out to me on either side. Yeah, I, I mean, James Harden like was three of nine for eleven points. By the way, just to, just in case any Rockets fans are listening, <laughs> um... he also almost fell out. He had five personal fouls. Who is that? Harden. Hmm. Uh, um.
0: Yeah. I. I don't know. I can't really.
1: Right. We'll move on. <laughs> From MK Robert again. Any first half of the season highlights that stand out for you?
0: Uh, they won forty six games. <laughs> <laughs> I nice. feel like that's
1: my answer too, because I just off the top of my head, not there isn't one that's coming, but. I really enjoyed Middleton's 51-point uh, yeah, game. And there's, some, too. there's some recency bias in that because it is one of the kind of better recent moments. Without Giannis, too. Uh, yeah, it was just... It was a little bit different to just the kind of routine, you know, beating teams into the ground that they normally do, too. So it is one that stands out and is memorable. And I just kind of think spoke volumes about this team overall and how they reacted to that and the fact that Chris did step up and have a game like that. Um, so that is one that kind of stands out. But if I was to re really sit down and think about this, I don't think I'd find a shortage of them. It's been pretty great. But we'll have another question not too long from now, or I think we'll touch on some of this stuff again. Uh from at Justin Hendy forty four, did Pack get hosed? I, I think he should have been in the final. I think I mean if I was judging it, I don't know that Aaron Gordon would have just kept getting fifties and been there in the first place. But um with the way it was going, I don't even think Derek Jones Jr. was deserving of having beaten them through those first two dunks, and they should at least have been having a dunk off, which probably wouldn't have gone well for Pat, but one more dunk would have been fun all the same.
0: I mean, in, you could take, look at it: did he get hurt, hosed? Yes, potentially, depending on your point of view. But the legend that comes of it: oh, he's he was a really good dunker that didn't got screwed by. Uh, terrible voting. It makes the legend live on. The potential. You don't see him not live up to his first couple dunks. You know what I mean? It's always better that he didn't get a chance.
1: I, I think his hero status, I said this to you privately in recent days, I think his hero status for book fans is really surging. Um and I just think the whole all star weekend and everything he did with it will really do him the world of good. And, um, he's just kind of a strangely central figure in this team, considering what his role often is. Even I was thinking about the fact that he always does the, you know, at the end of home games, when they record the video on the court and it goes up on social media, it's always him. Yep. Like he's made that his routine and he clearly is just bought into the franchise and the organization and the city. He's quite literally bought into the city, but that's maybe a conversation that, Slightly more complicated and maybe for a different day. But all the same, I mean, a guy who just very much seems committed and saying and doing all the right things, and I think certainly representing the city very well. Um, So, yeah, I think his overall legend is continuing to grow. Um, From Mr. Jibbs, what's the most annoying narrative around the books? Options being their defense, nothing matters until the playoffs. Bledsoe needs to prove it in the playoffs. Middleton, all-encompassing. Giannis leaving. Giannis lack a bag. Feel free to add one if I missed it. I really, not as a cop out, but I really just want to say all of the above because I hate almost all of them. I mean, some of them have more merit. Bledsoe needs to prove in the playoffs <laughs> yeah. does have merit. Um, We're not going to dismiss that one as just complete nonsense. It shouldn't be. If anything, it should be talked about more, though, compared to some of the other things. I'm not trying to stoke those fires yet but it should probably be a bigger discussion versus, like, Yanis' yeah, lack of bag. <laughs> I just can't believe this is a thing and that we're all paying attention to some of these morons who are, like, working for... I'm not... I not I shouldn't even go there. I'll just I'll move on. Will I, Jordan? Yes. Is there, an, is there one narrative that's more annoying for you than the other, or do you just dislike them all equally?
0: I mean, I kind of follow the same lines. There's some that have more merit uh, than others. <laughs> that scare the hell out of me, um, Eric Bledsoe. <coughs> um, but yeah, it's all it, this again. I I think we said it last week. Twenty twenty for agency is so boring that all uh, eyes are on Giannis, and unsurprisingly, I mean, he's literally the one of the best players of the league, if not the best. He's a reigning MVP. People are going to make anything out of nothing or something, even if there is something. And there have been some things. What
1: is that sentence? What are you saying? I don't know. exactly. (laughs) Let's move on. I don't even. That was not coherent. (laughs) From an Ajax (laughs) 48145765. Did Jimmy Butler have money on the game? He committed three or four straight turnovers right when he checked in. Or was he trying to troll us? Who am I to try and tap into the mind of Jimmy Butler? Like, there may not be a person I understand less in the yeah. NBA than Jimmy Butler. Maybe Kyrie Irving. Yeah. Um, but Jimmy Butler could be second. Did I, I feel like I went off on this on our last episode. That maybe I didn't though. Maybe this was imagined and I've just been waiting to do it. Did I, or can you remember me talking about, like, the revisionist Jimmy Butler narratives?
0: We have may have talked about...
1: Yeah, because we we went long on the heat. I won't repeat it. Uh, Yeah, we probably did, but it's just like, come on. We're really... You're all this gullible. You're buying into it now. It's never going to go wrong again. He was right about all those other teams, and, you know, it's... He was right all along. Sure. Remember
0: when he was like celebrating the Heat being six of one and already talking about like, oh, we're the best. Like, <laughs> over it's like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah.
1: From at Ajax four eight one four five seven six five again. I didn't realize Marvin Williams' capability of working in the post against mismatches. Any chance Bud might use him as a small ball five situationally, or would that be pushing him too far? I think this is what everyone expected, and this is what I just didn't see coming, and I don't think we'll see very much of at all in part because it's very difficult for the Bucks to kind of use some of their best rotations where he's a small ball five unless you're playing Giannis at the four um i, I just i really don't think we're going to see a whole lot of that
0: i think we'll see some of it but again i mean the bucks use so many different lineups combinations that we shouldn't really look at it as like, Oh, this could be like five minutes here, five minutes. Yeah. You know I mean like, Bud is he goes deep in the bench and plays different lineups and different types of lineups too, at that, that if they go small ball, that doesn't mean necessarily that Marvin Williams is going to be out there for all that time. I mean, this is the first year that we could really say that they've been able to play, adequately a small ball with Giannis as the center and playing like Pat as like the four or Chris at the four. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Like it's not just limited to Marvin or even or being out there and uh, kind of be interchangeable with Giannis. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I think we have to kind of like temper expectations about like, what does that mean? Because there's just Bud plays so many different types of lineups and different kinds of lineups that I don't view it as like, oh, like it's going to be this kind of stretch and this kind of stretch. In the playoffs, I mean, minutes are, will just be more amplified than it does feel like something compared to the regular season, but uh, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it, I guess.
1: For J. Frederick9097, if Chris Middleton picks up an All-NBA the championship ring and an Olympic gold medal by the end of the summer, would he finally get the appropriate level of national respect? Would books fans finally recognize him as a legit number two and worth his contract? I'm more interested in the second part of it. Honestly, I don't care about the national respect. That's like the old narrative. My question would be, if he does all of those things, would he actually get respect among book fans still? I think there's some grudges that run very deep and some people that won't let go.
0: I mean, you it's, are it, in this scenario be Impossible, you're right doing... Now. <laughs> you're reaching the pinnacle, so I would be surprised if there isn't some kind of
1: but the thing with that is, none of that is entirely outlandish. Like I, no. I wrote about this a while ago. I mean, he's gonna be in the mix for all NBA third team if he finishes out the season the way he's playing. If he finishes with a fifty forty nine, 90 shooting splits, averaging twenty six and four, like he should be all NBA thirteen. And I and if the Bucks win very close to seventy games, if not even hit that mark, like he will be. I think that will happen. Yeah. Um championship ring like we know about that it's certainly in play and then the fact that he's in the panel again i think the the respect that continues to increase from around the league he did equip himself pretty well at the olympics in some roles that weren't entirely natural for him and he certainly grew into that as time went on so i would certainly put him over brook as best chance to make it back there and it remains to be seen who goes to uh, because i mean we've already had lebron saying he's not sure if he'll play and if If LeBron decides not to play, we may have some others who all of a sudden just don't care about the Olympics. Um, None of that is entirely outlandish. Like, all could be in play. And I mentioned this in a piece I wrote yesterday, but he could just be the fifth person ever to average 20 points per game and shoot 50, 40, 90. And all four of the other players, Those being Larry Bird twice, Dirk Nowitzki, Steph Curry, Kevin Durant. Uh, Dirk and Steph both won MVPs in the season they did it. Larry Bird had won three MVPs in a row before he then had two years of averaging 20 points on 50, 40, 90. And Kevin Durant won the MVP the year after he did it. So basically anyone who has ever done this has been one year removed at most from winning MVP. Yeah. Like it's it's absurd what he's doing. It is flat out crazy. Um if he keeps that up. <laughs> he, I don't know how anyone can deny anything already at this point, but look, it'll keep happening. We'll get to a question very soon that points to it, I think. Um From at J Frederick 9097. How many scoring slash rebounding titles would you predict Janice to win over the course of his career? Scoring titles over under 2.5, rebounding over under 1.5. I'll take the under on Boat. I think he's too much of a team player and someone who cares about winning to win scoring titles, with the way that's gone because you've got players like Harden and Westbrook who just go out for their own numbers and their teams He just doesn't fall short play as much. Sure, if, if he continues to be on good teams he won't get the minutes required and rebounding, like there's always like an Andre Drummond sort <laughs> maybe but I feel like there's always an Andre Drummond out there he might get one of each or maybe two scoring titles one rebounding but I he could possibly have one of the greatest careers ever and not have either of those with the way he plays and the way the league's shaping up
0: yeah I mean he's fifth in rebounding right now behind Gobert, Whiteside, Capella the usual kind of traditional bigs Um, yeah I would, I'd probably take the under two.
1: Last question from at Dun 21 Happy stretch run, gentlemen. I particularly enjoyed the skills competition. There is nothing better as a viewer than observing the world's greatest athletes perform maneuvers that the common man couldn't do on the biggest stage. Anyways, today for your question of the week, I come to ask a personal question. Is this season fun or exhausting? Between the bad takes, the dumb takes, the response to the bad takes, the clickbait, Giannis, Innuendo, the who gets to win it for Kobe offensive narrative out there, the continued slander of dearly departed philanthropists, and anything else we could name, the clown suits the books wear. Look, I'm rambling. Is this fun? Jordan, is this fun? I'm having fun. <laughs> I'm having a whole lot of fun. I- I'm like, I just think anyone who's not having fun uh, might... I'm not saying I'm someone to tell you this, but I'm going to tell you it might be a good idea to turn the microscope in on yourself like if you're not having fun with this maybe maybe supporting a basketball team is not for you maybe being a fan not for you i just like i got a completely idiotic response randomly to some tweet from a guy who said this that then my mentions got blown up for something i had no part in someone just responded to me with like that this is They've just zoned out. They don't care. This is such a boring season. They preferred watching the books years ago. Like, maybe that person's a very nice person. I'm sure they are. I'm sorry. That is one of the dumbest takes I've ever heard. And if that's how you feel about it, it's probably best that you're not watching the books. Like, what are we doing here, people? What is what is all of this about? Like, I just increasingly don't interact with so many of the dumb takes. I think I'd probably even miss some of them because I'm just now attuned to not being so online as to get caught up in all of this stuff. When I do say anything about them, it will often be to be like, let's just not fuel this fire. Like, you can just enjoy the thing and not get into all of that, and it remains enjoyable this is just part of it. I think this is just the noise of, Oh, you're a team that people want to take down or your team that people care about or have any interest in you players that people care about. Like if you want to be good, I think this is going to be there forever. <laughs> I really do. Um, And it's a lot of fun to me. I mean, uh, when the books win a game on any given night, I'm not like, oh, would want to be better if kid was back and you know, we're inexplicably fouling players late in games instead of just going ahead and winning games and you know, it's I just don't get it. I don't I'm not saying I don't see some stuff occasionally and roll my eyes or sigh or feel the urge to get annoyed, and then I'm like, why would we get annoyed? This is this is one of the top three greatest seasons ever. That's what they're on track for. Yeah. This is one of the absolute greatest individual seasons ever that if you're listening to this podcast, you're very much likely like dialed in on every single night. Like, if you're not enjoying this, if you're taking this for granted, I don't know what to I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say to you. We we had a conversation about this a while ago. Like, does it feel as fun as it should? And I think that's an interesting conversation. But I think we both settled on that we're enjoying this, and certainly considering where they came from, it's enjoyable. Like I don't think any of the noise in particular should take away from the enjoyment of it. No. I, I also like we knew going in that their whole season was built towards the playoffs. So maybe that's frustrating for some people. They're going through the regular season and you know, it's all just about the playoffs that will make or break it. That was always going to be the case though. So what way could they have gone about the regular season? That was more fun and exciting than this one has been like, that possibly being one of the greatest regular season teams ever and doing so playing low enough minutes that it doesn't seem like it's going to sabotage their their postseason when they get there either i just read this is this is as fun as it gets the team plays great basketball they are one of the most likable collections of players you're ever going to come across in the nba i just i've got nothing else if this isn't as fun for you i can't help it Agreed. Can you, Jordan? Agreed. Okay. Jordan can't help you either. That's when you really know you're in trouble. Yeah. All right. That does it for this episode. We'll be back sometime next week to talk about the fun of Bucks basketball. <laughs> Until then, make sure you subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, follow us on Soundfail, add us to Stitcher, and tune in radio. You can also follow us on Twitter at Winning6Podcast and read mine, Jordan, of and the rest team's work Behind the Book Podcast. Until next time, thanks to all of you for listening. Thank you, Jordan. Thank you.